Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. The last SmackDown on Fox for the year, nay, the decade. This is the Wrestling Inc. podcast. I am Glenn Rubenstein, joined by Michael Wiseman. Uh, Matt Morgan is on vacation in Hawaii, where he is uh, unfortunately has a poor bandwidth. He should be back here Monday night when we talk about the last Raw of the decade. But tonight, you got me, you got Mikey over here. And uh, yeah, SmackDown existed tonight. That was a show. Last one of the decade. Last one of the year. What a way to go out, man. Oof. Not with a bang, but with a whimper. Man, it felt like legit they were just trying to fill time tonight, didn't it? I mean, there was a elaborate story involving a fruitcake. <laughs> Oof. And then an elaborate, let's start the same match three different times. Uh, just to see what we can do to fill that time. And I apologize to everybody in advance. I am fighting. Uh, I went out to Glenn's side of the world last week before Christmas. That's and true. apparently... People in California are sickos because um, I came back uh, a little worse for the wear here. So if I sound a little funny, funnier than normal, that is why. But we're going to get through. It's like a marriage, right? Through thick and through thin till death do me part. Yes. Uh, travel, man. Travel will do that. In fact, WWE superstars, let's, let's make this relevant and germane to the world of wrestling. <laughs> there you go. Uh, it's remarkable they're not sick all the time because traveling is just like like just diving into a commingling cesspool of germs yeah. saying hey strangers from all over the world let's get together in a tight close environment share some air and uh see you know how disease spreads it's great and people on planes dude they just they sneeze all over the place you're in there for five hours in a hot box with kids and pets and germs oh now i'm one of the people i'll admit to doing this I uh, take two, uh, I have a Ziploc bag that I take with me. First off, I travel with a lot of Ziploc bags. It's changed the way I travel, Michael. Okay. Let me tell you, uh-huh. on a plane. One, have a little Ziploc bag for your trash. That way you're not constantly having to give stuff to the stewardess. And if you're like me, you like to set up a little, uh, you know, snack array in your uh, in your front pocket in front of you. That sure. way you're just putting trash in the bag as you go. No smell. It's out of the way, out of sight, out of mind. It's great. But what I do is I have a separate Ziploc bag and in there, I have handy wipes and I have Clorox bleach wipes. So when I get in the plane, first thing I do is I take out the bleach wipe and I'm I'm rubbing down the the seatbelt. I'm rubbing down the screen in front of me. I'm rubbing down everything there because they don't clean. They don't clean these planes. Uh, these quick turnarounds with the airlines, uh, you're lucky if the garbage is even emptied from the seat back in front of you. So I'm wiping down everything. And then I'm even wiping my hands with it because I'm like, oh, bleach on my hands. It'll kill everything. It'll be right. great. Including your skin cells and your, your own um That's fine. <laughs> Just remember, when you rub hard, that that bright pink stuff, that's new, fresh skin you're getting there. <laughs> uh, but no, I uh, I am 
not so much a germaphobe, but I only really get sick once a year. And I'm convinced the way I do it is because I'm constantly washing my hands. And when I travel, it's because I wipe down every surface that's near me. So I'm not just I'm not just uh, swimming, swimming in uh, DNA. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way, dude. Like I my hands stay dry because I wash them so much. I never get sick. And I've been sick with some kind of cold crap twice in the last month. So it catches up to you in your older age, Glenn. It will catch up to you. In my older age, I'm, I'm 43. <laughs> Me, Raj, and Matt Morgan are all the same age. We are all 43. Oh. We're going to be 44 next year Man. in 2020. Uh, time is a cruel mistress, and it marches on. Um, just like SmackDown. <laughs> just like SmackDown. So tonight, oh, I don't know. I don't know, chat room. You want me to talk more about my travel uh, regimen and, and uh, wiping down surfaces and, and uh, sanitation, or should we talk about SmackDown? We should probably talk about SmackDown, but I do want to say to everybody, if you are watching, I hope you all had a fantastic Christmas, holiday, Kwanzaa. I know it just started yesterday, Hanukkah, all that jazz. Hope whatever you celebrate or just spending time with family was fantastic. Um, you guys were not here Wednesday night, right? So we are the first show post-Christmas. Yes, uh, I had a good Christmas, which is weird considering that culturally I identify as Jewish. I believe tonight's the seventh night of Hanukkah. But, you mm -hmm. know, uh, my parents got divorced when I was young, and then uh, my dad's a rabbi. I've talked about it on this podcast. Parents got divorced, bam, celebrating Christmas ever since then. Uh, and uh, I have to say it's more convenient. But uh, how was your Christmas, Michael? It was good, man. You know, we traveled, we, we flew back Christmas Eve because it's cheaper. Um, Christmas Day, spent some time with some family. Um, so it was cool spending some time in LA up to Christmas and kind of getting the vibe on there. I'd never been to LA. So that was a fun little trip for me in my All life. Right. But yeah, you know, it was, I've been to California, San Diego. Um, San Jose. So I've uh, been a few other places, but LA was a cool space. I got this fancy flash hat at the Warner Brothers tour, which was awesome. I've done um, the Warner Brothers tour. It was totally worth the money. I'm not like super touristy and that kind of stuff, but it was amazing. So yeah, we just, you know, fun time, but I'm happy to be back in North Carolina because it is an awesome state to live in. And pro tip, traveling on a major holiday is actually awesome. We traveled on Thanksgiving this year. We've done that um, a few times. The, the airports are fairly empty. There's very little in the way of crowds. Everyone's yeah. super nice to you yeah. on the airplane. Um, it is, and, and yes, you will save a couple bucks traveling on major holidays. You got it. Highly recommend it. Unlike tonight's SmackDown, where if you <laughs> missed it, you know, you're good. Hmm. Go back, you know, spend time with your family or loved ones. You're better, I think, if you miss tonight. It wasn't, it's it wasn't like one of those shows, but it's like not, there was nothing in particular bad about it to me, but I definitely felt like they were just trying to find ways to fill time. They had this obligation, right? We got to do a show. It's got to be live. And um, it just came across as being a very, the superstars were fine, but the storytelling, the match makeup, everything like that, very lackluster. No, no real implications here for greater things in WWE. Absolutely. And I think that's the key is uh, this is none of this is the talent's fault. Right. None of this is uh, the, the fault of the wrestling matches. It's really just story. And tonight it was quaint. That's a weird word to use for a wrestling television show. It was a quaint show tonight. Uh, we had Elias at performing a song and uh, it was it was like he was doing an opening monologue like it was SNL or the Tonight Show or something telling you what you were going to see on tonight's show. Or what you saw in the year before. Yeah, we had a cold opening, which we never get. I was expecting one of those. And live from the Motor City, it's Friday Night SmackDown, right? Which actually would have been awesome. You know, I would like that. Remember they had the bad celebrity hosts on Raw? I would actually not mind if they had a superstar be the host for the evening, especially on the holidays. This yeah. is time to do it. It would be great for these kinds of episodes where fans are kind of not tuning in anyway. And it does give you something to look forward to. And like... 
you know, I know Vince McMahon kind of sees himself as the Lorne Michaels of sports entertainment or whatever it is, right? So I, I could see him wanting to do something like that, but it'd be great for a show like this where you're not going to get anything else different anyways. And a feel-good family SmackDown on Friday night after Christmas, Go, Bob Barker, he's still alive and kicking. Betty White, what's she doing? Come back to host again, right? Well, I mean, it's because you think Lorne Michaels sees himself as the Vince McMahon of comedy variety shows. You think so? I think Lorne Michaels has been at it a little bit longer than Vince McMahon there, right? Well, he took some time off. You know? That's true. That's Dick true. Ebersol, uh, Vince McMahon's BFF, was running SNL for a couple of years. Uh, it's true. There's a lot of overlap. I got that feeling whenever we were watching some old clips of SNL, and there was a classic one where all of the uh, cast came out to sing and dance. With, I forget who it was. Um, but you get like 1977 or 78 cast and you could just tell it played so much better when like those people were relevant as opposed to 30 years later. And you're like, I know who these people are, but this segment is awkward. And it reminded mm. me of a Vince McMahon thing, right? I'm going to put wrestlers out there and just have them do something and fans will think it's interesting. Yes. Um, which is not always the case. It does not always work. <laughs> funny on this week when SNL had one of its best shows, in ages with Eddie Murphy coming back yes, and showing that a holiday show doesn't have to be a throwaway. You want to send people out end of the year on a high note SmackDown tonight. I feel like this was not a bad show. And I feel like we can't stress that enough. It's not that it was bad. It's just that it, well, let's, let's jump right in and talk about it. So when Elias, after that, we went to the triple threat to crown a new number one contender with Daniel Bryan, the Miz versus uh, Daniel Bryan versus the Miz versus Baron Corbin. And when did you know it? Uh, Daniel Bryan's out there ready to go. But then, then Baron Corbin comes out. Ooh, shocker and surprise there. Who expected that? Right. And he was ranting again. I know just stay with me here. I know this is all shock. Uh, he was ranting. And then Roman Reigns, his music hit. Corbin freaked out, fell to the floor. They were they dropped his caravan. Reigns came out, beat up Corbin. Corbin went to the back, and we said, we're not having this match right now. Psych. Didn't happen. He wanted to postpone the match, and this is where SmackDown tonight was really just killing me a little bit because he's going to the back saying, I can't compete now. I want to postpone the match. And by default, they were postponing the match because they weren't having it when they were scheduled to have it at the open. You're opening up with your main event for whatever reason, right? Pro wrestling logic. And they were discussing whether or not they could postpone the match after they had already postponed the match. Hmm. Yes. Hmm. Hmm. Yes. Ponderous. <laughs> um, then, and this, this might, this is gonna, this might not be the high point of the night, but this is what it's gonna be the lasting impact. Of tonight's show, which was we then went to the New Day and Braun Strowman versus Cesaro, Shinsuke Nakamura, and Sami Zayn. A pretty good six-man tag match. This was very entertaining. It felt like a really, really good house show match. Uh, Strowman getting the big win, power slamming Nakamura for the pin and the win. He wants a shot at that IC title that was uh, built up still throughout this segment. Um, but after the match with Strowman looking so dominant, again, power slamming Nakamura, the intercontinental champion, um, after the match, New Day, then, uh, saying Braun Strowman, hey, he's, 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 you know, cut the scary music. We know he's a monster. Get these hands, but now we want to get these hips. Braun Strowman, show us how you boogie. And boy, did he, uh, tonight. We're going to be seeing this clip at least for the next week, if not the next month, the next year, the next decade. <laughs> it's going to be the clip of the 2020s right here. And Is it too late to make it for segment of the year for 2019 WWE? 
See, I liked when Rusev was dancing with No Way Jose Monday night, and then Matt on this podcast dissected why it was horrible and uh, just turned him into an immediate comedy act. And tonight, Matt, Matt Morgan, he's in Hawaii. I could hear him yelling at the TV from across the sea when he saw Braun Strowman getting down tonight. See, he's, in Christ- he's in Christmas land somewhere, winter wonderland, watching SmackDown. <sighs> he's on the island of misfit toys where strangely they get Fox. <laughs> he was watching SmackDown. Um, so we, we got this dance tonight. Mm. We got these hips. It was, uh, see, this was like, it wasn't bad dancing, actually remarkably good dancing for a large man, much like uh, my b- beloved uh, Fred Rerun Barry from What's Happening fame. As a bigger guy, sometimes it's hard to be an agile dancer. You have no idea what I'm talking about with the What's Happening reference. Um, I know that's a show. Is that- it's a phenomenal show, highly recommended, a TV uh, show based on the movie Cooley High. A lot of people don't know that, uh, about uh, Roger Rerun and Dwayne. And uh, Rerun, Fred Rerun Barry, was one of the original Soul Train dancers, the LA Breakers, uh, popped and locked an innovator in breakdancing. So he was a bigger guy, but you don't expect him to be able to like just get his boogie on in such, a, sure. such an amazing way. And Braun tonight, I have to say, for a bigger guy, he's got moves. He does. And you know what? If you wanted to have him be an entertaining character like that, and that was his whole thing, so be it. But yes, this person here, JJB Gaming, commenting here, Braun is officially Brodus Clay. And I, I have to kind of agree with Matt on this. I don't always agree with Matt, right? But in the case of a guy like Braun Strowman, who they have torn down week over week, month over month. Remember, he used to be the monster among men, and he would tear down everybody. He was just a physical specimen who would rip you to part, right? And now... He is, Punk is a, on a roll. Right. right. Well, he's literally on. Yeah, he's a comedy dancing dude. And I just don't like it because I think it does make him seem weak. I, I liked it whenever he was there and they asked him to dance and he pushed them back. And I was like, yes, let's see some fire and aggression. And it's different, right? Like when they did the Nicholas thing, it was funny, but they never made him be goofy. Just the situation was goofy. Right. Uh, Tammy brings this up. Braun tagged with the child and feuded with SNL guys. He's been ruined for a while now. But in those Somebody other... Somebody better call his mama. <laughs> the Brodus Clay reference really works, right? In those instances, though, I don't think they ever made him to be... Like, he took himself seriously still, right? Even when he teamed with Nicholas, it was a funny situation, but he still treated it like it was a serious thing. When he's dancing, nobody treats it as though it's a serious thing. He's not like, I'm going to be a badass at dancing. It's just dancing. And that's why I think this does more to undermine him. It is tough. Because he's over as a wrestler. Yep. But I think if, if we're going to write the book, if you're going to say they derailed him being a monster. Now, I'm going I'm to argue. I'm going to take a counterpoint to all this. Okay. And say that him being a monster is the stereotype of a big man. As Matt would say, it's how you book a big guy and is how they booked every big guy with Matt Morgan, Andre the Giant, big show. You're right, you're an attraction, you're a spectacle. But I'm going to I'm going to argue. I don't know why also tonight. I'm a little just tired. I feel like I'm talking <laughs> I'm like this is how I sound when I've been drinking and I'm like why am I talking like I've been drinking when I'm stone cold sober? Uh but oh, like, stone gonna- cold sober. I get it. Uh-huh. Had a couple of Steve risers. I'm going to argue that uh, Braun is changing what our perceived notion of a big man is in wrestling. And it humanizes him in a way that's endearing 
Uh, case in point, him with Alexa Bliss and Team Little Big in the Mixed Match Challenge. Now, but granted, and again, I can hear Matt Morgan yelling from across the sea. His screams are carried on the waves. Because when, Braun, when Alexa was making Braun blush, it was adorable. He's got the dimples. He's just a big baby face. He's got a face like a big baby, but with a big beard. He's got like, like a child, an infant's face on top of uh, Matt Morgan's body. I don't know that I have a great argument other than maybe you are not stone cold sober, but stoned cold sober. Now, um, I did get some bagels sent in from New York. I, I treated the family and I used Gold Belly, not a sponsor. So uh, I'm just telling you that uh, I, uh, I uh, but you may have heard them on podcasts before. I said, you know what? I'd like some Essa bagels from Manhattan. Hmm. I would like those. So we got those overnight. We had them as a family. Oh, New York bagels, best, right? Forget about it. Can't beat them. So... There's so many carbs in that. It's almost like an opiate. And maybe that's why I feel just a little in my, my happy, comfortable zone, because I feel like I've eaten so many carbohydrates from these uh -huh. New York bagels that maybe this is why I'm just like, oh, I'm a little loopy tonight. I, I did not poppy seed there, right? Because you could pop. Oh, that's test. true. Yes. That's true. Be careful on that. One. I, 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 I just can't. I can't. I can't get there with you. And I think there's a world where funny guys, big guys can dance. I mean, Rikishi got over by doing that, right? But I also, I, I think Braun is different. And I think to me, Braun always felt more like he could be the kind of big, serious guy that Brock Lesnar is. And Brock Lesnar has done some funny things, but he always, like, even the boombox Brock stuff from earlier this year, right? It's goofy. It. It's, it's funny, but you could tell he was almost doing it as an F you to everybody, right? Like, look at That's me. I'm so fantastic. Right, and that's why it worked. But when a guy like I think when a serious monster takes himself and demeans himself, and he knows he's doing it, I think it breaks him down and breaks down his mystique. Well, you think it's demeaning to dance? I don't think it's demeaning to dance. I think it is. Evan Bacon demeaned himself, <laughs> and that's why John Lithgow was against dancing. That's why it was dirty dancing. It was dirty dancing. You're mixing movies here. You're mixing okay, movies here. Oh, you're talking about Footloose. Well, I side with the, the city in that movie. You know, they should have banned dancing of the devil. <laughs> I just, I like, a, I like a beast. I like a monster. I want somebody to squash somebody. We don't get enough of that. I feel like we get too much of that. I feel mm. like it's the most generic thing. Okay. Do you think a guy like Samoa Joe could get away with dancing? Yes. Okay. Uh, Baby Maharaj is asking, do you think Jinder Mahal would work as a face when he returns to feud with Drew McIntyre? I love Jinder Mahal. And I think Jinder Mahal as a face would be something. I think he's a very likable guy. Um, I think it's unfortunate. And we've talked about it on this podcast. Remember when he came back with Heath Slater when he was wearing a suit and like, looking like a million bucks? Yep. He looked uh, new school. And instead they said, ah, we're going we're gonna to book you like you're Middle Eastern, even though you're of uh, Indian descent and from Canada. Um, but, you know, it got him that push. It got him the championship. My most controversial opinion of the last couple of years is that Jinder Mahal putting the belt on him was the right decision when that happened. Like, I know people didn't like that, but if you go back to that feud and they followed it up with some wins over Randy Orton, there was something there that was surprising and it worked at the time and the fans didn't get behind it, that Middle Eastern thing. But anyway, I digress, but I, I like Jinder Mahal and I liked him in that spot when they gave it to him. Uh, as Carlos Lopez points out dancing hurts Strowman's demeanor it just changes it it just changes what it is and I think that yes if you want to see him as your stereotypical big man the monster as it were this yes. was a great tag match though you said this earlier I don't want to say this was a really good it was a really good tag match and I like seeing Shinsuke and Cesaro and Sami Zayn over there on their same side right as a team all working together um that felt fun there was no greater point here I think the other thing for me is New Day what are they doing next are they like are they going to feud some more with <laughs> 
Cesaro and and uh, you know whoever Zayn. Yeah, I think Sammy and uh, I, th I think they could try and use the free bird rule to get Sammy Cesaro and Nakamura uh, to go to the tag titles. Maybe yeah. especially if Strowman defeats um, defeats uh, Shinsuke. Crazy though, man. Could you think about think about a year ago? Think about two years ago. Think about three years ago. If you would have said. Sami Zayn, Shinsuke Nakabura, and Cesaro are going to be in a tag team trio. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a, it's a dream right there for indie wrestling fans. That is a dream. Yeah. And they're making it work. You know, I, I like Shinsuke, I like all these guys as individuals, but Sami is a mouthpiece, especially for Cesaro and for Shinsuke. I think it just really does work. No, I agree with that. Uh, so this was a good match. Watch that, but you can't escape the animated gif of uh braun Strowman getting down shaking his groove thing as it were um really the crowd was chanting get these hips <laughs> and that's what you want to see from a monster go on <laughs> i want a christmas promo where he says get these yams where that's is matt morgan I when i need him somebody find matt morgan and beam him i need somebody to take my side in this this is this get is these much. yams you're missing out wwe it could be printing money um okay so, Sony Deville, Mandy Rose backstage. Mandy mm. runs into Otis. Oh, the storyline of the night. Yes. Otis gave Mandy a gift. So thankful for the kiss and the ham last week. And tonight, it's like giving you a fruitcake. This is made by my mom. He seems so genuine. You know, Otis, he just seems so like. He makes this work, and I am not a big fan of everything they've done with these guys, but it's clicking with the fans, and so I'm willing to give it a chance, right? But he puts, like, just this weird level of sympathetic emotion into these segments that it works on some level. Yeah. I thought tonight, and I've said this before, Otis, I recognize the star power and how over he is, even though I don't care for the gimmick, even though it's not my thing. I feel like it's clear the audience loves him, and all I kept thinking was... He's coming across, and again, these, but this is his character. He's not supposed to be a monster. He's sort of a, a bit more of a goof, as it were. But I was just like, God damn it, Mandy. If you break his heart, it's over. <laughs> I'll never forgive you. I'll never forgive you. Just he, want uh, these two crazy kids to make it work. He's got expressive eyes. Like the thing that I think worked for him <laughs> is he has very expressive eyes. It's the exact opposite problem Hayden Christensen had in episode two, um, which is he can tell stories with what he's feeling through his eyes and it connects with the audience. Yes. George Bartley points this out. Otis looked like a puppy tonight. Uh, I still contend Luke Harper, best eyes in wrestling, his soulful mm -hmm. eyes. Mm -hmm. They just convey so much. Hopefully we'll get to see them now that he's leaving, leaving the WWE. Could be his gimmick, soulful eyes, Harper, right? I'm, I'm telling you, man, there's something like, and he's acted in films. Like he got good reviews for that. What was it? Uh, oh, I can't remember the name. The uh, native American revolutionary war film he was in oh, he yeah. got good notices for his turn in that uh but i think hey otis you know mohawk mohawk yes, yes. otis uh it is what it is i enjoyed carmella versus mandy rose and Corey graves saying this is what we call a conundrum cole uh <laughs> to michael cole uh i think they didn't play on this enough of course uh people know he is a long time stand mandy rose on the commentary but he is dating carmella in real life so this to me was a missed opportunity. This, this like Corey Graves should have been the star of this match on commentary. There's so much you can play with there. And they do lean into it with Corey Graves. And, and it's funny. This match was fine. 
I, I'm glad Carmella won and they're doing something with her. I know Matt's a big fan of Mandy Rose and it's she's kind of in a weird spot. But Carmella, they even mentioned this in the commentary, she's got quite a win streak going right now, which I think is cool. I've always been a big fan of hers. I think Carmella's great. Um, it seems like she is going to get a shot against Bailey. That'll be interesting. Of course, the two are very good friends in real life. And I think they'll have a lot of chemistry in the ring together. Carmella did win this match tonight on Mandy Rose. Um, see, but even with Mandy, we talked about this last week. Matt liked how with Mandy, how it almost humanizes her, her being sweet to Otis. But then when she's doing this, like, you'll never look like me, this ego thing. It just, it feels a little um, out of place with the way the character has been in these vignettes. Right. It kind of clashes with the whole thing about Otis is very genuine and down to earth. And Mandy still has this kind of ego about her. You know, I hope they do more with Mandy. I'm just, I'm not convinced they found the right spot for her yet. And I almost feel like all this is doing more for Otis than it's doing for her. So we'll see, I guess. Yeah. And Mandy is, is interesting. Uh, she comes across a very genuine person. I think um, her character, the way with her look maybe has worked against her a bit because people have preconceived notions. Um, mm-hmm. It's interesting how they've leaned into that. But then when you see how she is on social media, when you even see how she is in these vignettes with Otis, she comes across as like this surprisingly sweet and down to earth person. So I think they just need to really pick a side of the road yeah. and either go full heel with her or, do a complete face turn. Well, I think I, I like those scenes we see of her on social media and with Otis, right? I would like to see more of that. And and sometimes it feels like the gimmick, the character that WWE attaches to one of these people, Lacey Evans has had the same issue for a while, that that overpowers who this person really is. And if you've heard, I mean, everybody's heard this a dozen times, right? The classics, Rock, Stone Cold. They talked about how even when they were playing a good guy or a bad guy, those characters were just who they were amped up to 10 or 11, right? And they just tweaked it depending on which side of the road they were playing on. And so Lacey Evans, and I will talk more about this in a minute, we got to see more of her tonight and who she genuinely Absolutely. is. And I loved it. And I want to see more of that from Andy Rose, I, I, especially in the ring, out there where it counts. These segments are, these vignettes are fine, social media is fine, but give it to me in a match. Give it to me on stage and not just backstage. I agree. Um, I also think it's a kind of a weird gimmick and it's a very tough one. I would love to talk to anyone who has had this gimmick before, but if it boils down to, well, what's your gimmick? Well, my gimmick is that I'm really attractive. Like, <laughs> that's kind of tough. Yeah. I feel like there's a ceiling on that. Yes. And also the fans reject it because they know that's a Vince McMahon gimmick, which is look, I have an attractive blonde and she's going to be popular because she's good looking. Right. Yeah. It's almost better, I think. I mean, even when you look like uh, Rick Rude and some other people that are doing this, I think it's actually a much better gimmick when the person isn't all that attractive. <laughs> Wait, are you saying Rick Rude wasn't attractive? I never thought Rick Rude was. Oh my attractive. gosh, he had a mustache to like. Oh. <laughs> he had a mustache. God, that he's like he's like the Tom he's the Tom Selleck of the pro wrestling world, dude. <sighs> but wouldn't you agree it's a better gimmick? Like if Otis's gimmick was I'm really hot, <laughs> and he just sold the hell out of that. And that was the entire thing. <laughs> it, it's corny though, right? Like the reason it worked for Rick Rude is because he got under your skin with it. Mandy Rose hasn't made it a thing where she's gotten under anybody's skin with it yet, right? Like Rick Rude literally came out and flaunted his junk in your face. And he was like, I slut, I will sleep with your girlfriend, right? I will sleep with her because I am so good looking. And Mandy Rose has not crested that yet. She has not taken on that. Um, there was a, who was the woman who used to, there was a, a woman's wrestler who used to always be like that too. 
Um, there have been a few. Yeah, I'm trying to I just watch. Well, Sunny was that way. Yeah, maybe it was. Yeah, it was Sunny. And I think I'm thinking of Sunny here, who would like she was. That was really her thing, which is like all of your boyfriends want me, and that has a more personal feel other than just being like, "Oh, look at me, I'm good looking," right? Now, let me posit a theory here. And I had a friend who passed away a few years ago, but mm-hmm. I'm convinced this was one of the most brilliant things he ever did. Is uh, and he was uh, a very charming guy, but not what you call stereotypically attractive, right? Okay. Okay. Uh, but he, I remember one time, like, uh, called everyone, uh, together and he was like, Oh, I have a big announcement. I have to explain like I've been around and he's like, Oh, I just said, I've been, I've been dating these women, but it's been sort of secret because it wasn't like a dating thing. It was more like a physical, like a hookup thing. And that's why I haven't been around as much. So I'm sorry, but you know, it was unfair to you and it was unfair to them. I'm going to try, try and be more public now. But I thought about this in hindsight is after that, he was dating a lot and he was dating a lot of like really attractive women. Okay. And part of me was like later in later years thought, was that all a lie about the original hookup <laughs> thing? Or did you just put out there that he was like hooking up and all these women like wanted to get with him on the DL and like by putting that word out in the street, it had a psychological impact. Other women wanted to get with him. That other women wanted to get with him. So I think as a gimmick that almost kind of works if you had somebody who wasn't stereotypically attractive putting it out there like they were, I would respect and admire that gimmick a lot more. And I think with Rick Rude, I think it was kind of the same thing. I don't mm. think Rick Rude was all that attractive, but mm. I think if you're on TV and you show that like women want to get with you and like people mm. treat you like you're really hot, in people's minds, they go, well, I guess they're really hot then. <laughs> it's the popular, it's, it's the same thing George Costanza pulled in Seinfeld when he had the cutout of his ex-wife, which was a model, a picture of a model, right? And he was able to get other models to date him and he got into these exclusive parties because he was associated with a good-looking woman, right? And if, so if George Costanza did it, it must ball. be true. I think Rick Rude pulled a Costanza before pulling a Costanza was a thing. Mm, could be. I disagree, though. Rick Rude, good-looking man. You and I are on opposite panels tonight, dude. Like, really? Yeah. He had this. He has this 80s good-looking thing going on. It's Again, it's the Tom Selleck factor, right? Tom Selleck, a good-looking man from the 80s. I thought Scott Hall, uh, when Hall was doing kind of like the Tom Selleck thing before Razor Ramon, I thought Scott Hall was a lot more of that. Like, Scott Hall looks like he could be a legitimate actor, leading man. Okay. Okay, maybe. Yeah, I was gonna say because Razor Ramon, he got a sleazy look, right? A little slime ballish. Um, yes, eh, maybe we can get behind you on that. So be sure to join us Monday for more of uh, <laughs> straight men comment on uh, the attractiveness of '80s male wrestlers. Put it up on uh, the uh, Wrestling Inc. Uh, Twitter account whether or not was Rick Rude attractive. Yes, or was no? Rick Rude attractive? I see. I think they fooled us. I think they did what my friend did, and you just put it out there. And uh-huh. people assume it. You like Jedi mind trick people. It's crazy. That's your friend sounds kind of like a, I mean, I don't want to speak ill of the dead, but that seems kind of like a weird thing to do, right? Hey guys, I've been sleeping with all these women. I'm sorry. Oh, he was an absolute sociopath. Okay. Probably so. It's sort of like okay. a Ferris Bueller thing. Gotcha. And he is greatly missed. I was just talking about him with uh, another friend today. That's why it's on my mind. Anyhow, um, so Carmella won that match, as we said. We saw another coming soon return vignette for Sheamus. He's going, after the, he's going after the world title, it sounds like, right? I mean, he's calling out. He said all these contenders aren't, you know, um, all these contenders aren't anything. They're, they're nothing to, to write home about, basically. And he said he's going after the championship, which I think is interesting because that slot is already occupied by Daniel Bryan. And I don't think Sheamus is the guy who would unseat the Fiend. But that's clearly what they're kind of building towards with these with this story. 
John P saying for the 80s, Rick Rude was good looking. Like the 80s had some beautiful men. George Michael was alive in the 80s. And you're telling me Rick Rude holds a candle to Mr. Careless Whisperer himself? Okay, here's why Rick, Rick Rude works, okay? Because Rick Rude <laughs> comes out of the 80s. He comes out of the 80s. He keeps that look into the 90s, right? And everybody who was in the 80s being upstaged by dudes with awesome mustaches and body built by Jim, right? Like all those dudes who were upstaged by those dudes in the 80s are still mad about that in the 90s, right? And everybody in the 90s is angry anyway. And so when Rick Rude is still doing that, it gets under the skin of all those bad-looking dudes in the 90s. I don't know, man. I just don't know. Well, Wrestling Inc. Twitter will tell us the truth. We're going to have to solve this one. I think I think uh, they, they tricked us all with this. Uh, for people that don't know, I feel like now we have to we have to like show a photo. Rick Rude. Don't pick up. Okay, yeah. See, look at that. Sure, muscular, but uh -huh. like that hairstyle. Like really? But for the eighties, like think about the context here. Not for two thousand and nineteen. I mean, Don Johnson was a superstar in the 80s. I mean, I'm just thinking of like all these stereotypically attractive men, even Bruce Willis. You could be like, well, Bruce Willis, sort of chiseled looks, good sense of humor. But Rick Rude, like, I, I just, I'm just not feeling it, man. Wasn't Bruce Willis already balding by that point? He was, but he was one of the first guys where it really kind of worked for him. Like, think about this. Like, uh, Jesse, um, well, I forgot his name in the show, but what's the actor's name that plays Jesse in Full House? John Stamos. John, John Stamos. Stamos. Attractive man, I think. Right. But he had that same terrible haircut in the 80s. Everybody did. I don't know. Hit us up on Twitter with this. Rick Rude, attractive or not. I just That's the hashtag. Rick Rude, attractive or not. Uh, so, Seamus, I mean, I think it was a mistake for, for Seamus to point out that he left nine months ago. where Because I thought it was longer. Yeah, I don't know. It still feels like a while. He's changed his look up, so maybe that's why he wanted to point it out because he looks he's back to his typical spiky hair look and the full goatee. Like he has ditched the Seamus and Cesaro pairing look. So maybe that's why. Um, but they obviously they, he's coming in, it feels like more as a old school guard now, right? Like I've been at the top of the mountain and you're gonna have to go through me to get back there. Yeah. Which in his late run. His last year or two, he really wasn't a main event fixture. Tammy in the chat saying John Stamos is better looking than Rick Rude. Mm. Mm. I might agree with that. I might get, I might go there. Uh, Ernie saying Seamus should have come back as a surprise. I agree with that. I think uh, with his vignettes, I feel like they're trying to build it up a little too much. There was a, it was almost, was it 10 years ago? It was probably exactly 10 years ago, if I'm thinking correctly, where Sheamus won his first WWE championship at TLC in 2009, right? Mm. Yeah, that sounds right. So he's been a main eventer for all intents and purposes for 10 years. I, I don't know. I think the old guard role kind of fits with him, right? Like he's been there for a while. He was there during the Randy Orton, John Cena 2000s era. Um They've just not made him credible in recent years in that role. So I think they've got some work to do to still convince fans that, especially newer fans who've been watching for the last five or six years, that he is a guy that can run through somebody like The Fiend or keep Daniel Bryan at bay. I think for The Fiend, that's a good example. But you know what actually this reminds me of is the observation that I had tonight during the commercials. When did Reese's Pieces become an act of defiance the way that Will uh, Arnett is trying to sell them during those ads? Not to sorry. Me, 
Yeah, I was just like, oh my god, you rebel. You're eating yeah. a Reese's Pieces. Uh, this is the thing like with Seamus. Like, Seamus is great and all, but uh, actually, but as great as Reese's Peanut Butter Cups? Mm. Mm, think about that mm. for a second. Uh, I mean, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, one of the best inventions ever of any era. Uh, but with Seamus, you know, don't don't try and oversell. Seamus is great. Seamus is competitive. Seamus is a contender. But the return of Seamus, this isn't like CM Punk coming back to the ring. You yeah, know? it's not. This is solid. Yeah, they're they're trying to build him back up like it is a big deal, and I don't I don't think anybody's like, man, I've really been missing Sheamus, and it's not going to move the needle when he returns. And I think Sheamus is great, so I don't want to discount sure. Sheamus here. It's just where they put him, he's not at that superstar level. I almost wonder though, like, okay, let's hypothesize here when we get to the main event and we know who's going to win, which is Daniel Bryan. If Daniel Bryan were to beat the Fiend. Could you see a fiend or could you see a Daniel Bryan Sheamus feud coming up? And because Sheamus is coming back as a bad guy, it seems like. I'm saying this, this is no disrespect to, to Sheamus at all, but Daniel Bryan versus Sheamus does not seem like a main <laughs> event of a pay per view. That match will not go on last. It's been on how many WrestleManias did they do that in a row? Two or yeah. three? <laughs> yeah. Tammy is saying Reese's are better than Sheamus. Tammy's getting all the play in the chat room tonight. Thank you, yes. Tammy. Uh, yeah, it's just. I don't know, man. Uh, but you know what? Here's the thing. With with Bray Wyatt, when they reintroduced him uh, in the Firefly Funhouse, that was a complete reboot. I think with Sheamus, maybe it should have gone further. I feel like these vignettes are, are, are uh, weak sauce, as the kids say. Like, they didn't put a lot of effort into these event, into these vignettes. Like, he's in the Aleister Black yeah. closet. Like, uh, there's just not much there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. They didn't do anything fresh with him. I mean, his whole... Irish Celtic warrior gimmick that he did the last time, which he was already the Celtic warrior, but that was a kind of a reboot, I guess. This feels like a return to the previous gimmick. Yeah. I, I would like though, you mentioned Aleister Black. I think Seamus and Aleister Black could be a great, like imagine if one of these vignettes, he was up there talking about this in this dark room and Aleister Black popped out of nowhere, right? Like it would seem weird, but it, I, I think it could be cool. Raven MC seven saying Seamus needs to settle into a role to elevate younger stars. His time has passed. I think we talked about this. Who do you put Alistair Black with? I think Alistair Black going over Sheamus makes a world of sense. Yep. Yep. They all keep, they have similar style. They occupy, I mean, not the exact same style, but that hard hitting is what I mean, right? Different wrestling styles, but they're both hard hitting guys. They can both go a, a look, um, you know, Alistair Black more mysterious there, but they both kind of have that kind of more rugged, manly, intense look. Um, and Sheamus is still pretty young, right? Sheamus is only 41. He's got a good, Four or five more years, kind of that he could. Well, I'm not saying let's place. put him out to pasture or anything. I'm just saying that you know, that like, like be bold if you're sure. going to let somebody go away, come back, and you're going to reintroduce them. Do something that has an impact. Do something that gets people's attention. I think to bring him back and have him cutting promos that don't have a lot of content. I mean, Bray Wyatt proved that big swings can pay off in a big, big way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the, and the Undertaker is the classic example here. He always found ways to reinvent himself when he would return. Even if it was just tweaking the gimmick, like just like Jericho did. Even if it was just tweaking what he was doing before. Yeah. Uh, then we got the number one contenders match because Corbin refused to participate. Daniel Bryan versus The Miz. And uh, just as that was getting going, Baron Corbin's servants or security guards, whatever they are, hit the ring, attack Bryan and Miz. Corbin was backstage saying, uh, you know, if Reigns is there... He's not going out there and this can't go on. And they were like, oh, Reigns. Uh, uh, or no, that was that was uh, the setup then. Um, then we got a moment of bliss segment with Alexa and Nikki Cross. 
they were joined by Lacey Evans. Uh, yeah, to your point earlier, man, Lacey, what a 180 in such a short amount of time. Six months ago, she was supposed to be the monster heel right there alongside Baron Corbin. And uh, here she is now, like the, the baby face of the SmackDown women's division. I love it. And I think, you know, we talked a few weeks ago about how she could be the Liberty Bell if you watch Glow, right? She kind of has that Liberty Bell persona underneath it. She's a little bit of a superhero. She can be very intense, but in a passionate, positive way. It's not like she's got to be mean, but but she's she's a natural American hero, right? She served our country. And so I like them leaning into that a little bit more. I can tell that she clicks with that. The storyline, straight out of Glow, right? Season two. Oh, you picked up my oh, kids. Yeah. It's season two. Liberty Bell's kid was quote unquote kidnapped. Um, and remember, a, a mother without a child is just a person. That's right. That's exactly right. So um, I, I'm glad to see them doing more of that. I wonder if somebody heard us compare to Liberty Bell and said, hey, there's an idea for a story, right? But yeah, I, I like it. And she seems more comfortable in that role. And the fans are responding to it. You heard more cheers in the crowd tonight when she was giving that impassioned plea. And it wasn't just, oh, where's my kid? It was, I'm going to kick your ass for making fun of my kid relatable well i mean i don't know i i don't have children but i compare it to my cats my cats <laughs> right. fight with one another i think one of the cats did something to deserve it like you know what you did you you brought this on yourself so you're saying her kid did something to deserve you made fun of i'm saying that? you know if someone like my parents probably would have sided with the stranger and be like what did you do to provoke this this stranger into uh, abducting you somehow this is your fault because <laughs> you had a rough childhood dude no, I don't it's no wonder you don't think Rick Root is attractive. I get it now. <laughs> no, uh, but I, I like it. I think this is good for Lacey. I think this is um, a good setup. Love that clip with her daughter. Her daughter super credible. I think she emoted very well last yes. week. Uh, we went to Lacey Evans, Dana Brooke versus Sasha Banks and Bailey. Sasha and Dana came out, or Sasha and Bailey came out with Dana like in a headlock. And I thought they were going to beat down match to avoid this uh, this match from happening. But no, we did get it. Of course, Dana nodded 100%. So Sasha and Bailey got the win. So do you think it's going to be... I mean, I almost feel like Lacey versus Sasha doesn't need a title at this point, especially if we get Carmella versus Bailey. Yeah, I mean, it seems like they have been pushing Carmella more. So I would think they're going to go that route. And Sasha has been the face of... Um of Lacey Evans ire here. So that would be the route there. I don't know what you do with Dana. Dana look. Yeah. Um, e. Huben Ernie, our man, Ernie, Ernie. That's right. Ernie here uh, in the chat room says, wouldn't you agree that Dana looks so much more fluid in the ring? I'm loving it. And I think Dana has done wonders to her game in the last year. She does look more comfortable. They're giving her more time to work and she's embracing it. And um, I, I, I'm glad to see him doing more with her. I don't think she's a main eventer yet in that division. So I don't think they're going to put her up against Bailey by herself, but I like her as kind of Lacey's wingman here, especially if Lacey's taking on Sasha. Yeah. Uh, and Sasha, I mean, again, this is the problem. You can't have Bailey be a monster heel next to Sasha Banks. Mm -mm. It's like Sasha has so much swagger, so much charisma. Um, and meanwhile, I would argue that Dana holds her own with Lacey. I think Dana is is uh, coming into her own a lot these last few months. But I think with Bailey, it's just still not still not clicking yet. Yeah, she's not found her role. The reason I think it works for Dana because Dana seems like a very likable, genuine person. Again, there's a part of personality where Dana is peppy and upbeat, and they're letting her express that through her character, right? 
And I think with Bailey, for whatever reason, there's not a part of her that's mean and jackassy, um, like she's trying to be on TV every week. And so I think that it's just not work for her. I think Sasha does have a bit of an ego. So she can play a, a bit, right? <laughs> Quite a bit of an ego. She can play that heel role very well. And um, Bailey's just not found her inner mean person. Yeah. So Sasha and Bailey won that match. Dolph Ziggler was backstage with Mandy Rose. Dolph uh, hitting on Mandy. Dolph and Roman Reigns are going to be wrestling on Fox New Year next week. <laughs> Big match. Going to draw the viewers in. Uh, Ziggler talking smack about the fruitcake from Otis. It was sitting on the table. And Ziggler was not impressed. Took shots at both the fruitcake and Otis. Uh, says that it was probably gave a cake to everyone in the locker room, and someone even found a roach in one. Man, laying it on thick there, Dolph. Uh, Dolph says that Otis can't possibly know anything about a woman like Mandy Rose. Ziggler put the cake on the ground, stomped all over it, and King Corbin walked up to speak to Ziggler. They hurried off back from the break. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about what happened with uh, Otis, and then we'll go back to uh, this part. But then we saw Otis backstage not looking happy. I saw the fruitcake on the floor. Uh, it looks like he was going to plot revenge, but I think he was about to go have an ugly cry backstage. He did. He he was down on one knee. He had this moment of like Shakespearean <laughs> sincerity. <was> like, no, <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, Romeo, Romeo, wherefore out there? No. So, um, what is it? The classic King Lee? Is it? No, it's not King Macbeth, right? It was Macbeth who was down on one knee talking to the skull. Uh, it was Hamlet, I believe. Oh, it was Hamlet. What am I? An English major? Yes. Um, here's to be the, or my, not to be. That is the question. That is right. Um, Which is so weird, by the way, because a kid, as a kid, you don't get what he's talking about there. You hear that quote, and you don't understand. He's talking about to be or not to be. He's saying like, should I live or should or I kill should myself? I die, right. Suicide. Like, yes. Yeah, that is some heavy shit, and people quote that all the time. Like it's just this funny thing. Yeah, they make jokes about it, like we just, like I just did here. So, yes. um, anyhow, uh, Hamlet. This was not, but. I feel for Otis, man. The most unrealistic part about this entire segment was the fact that Dolph Ziggler, wearing some sweet-ass Jordans, stepped on that fruit oh, cake true. and messed them up. A true heel would never have dirtied his shoes like that. Never. Also, fruitcake is kind of antiquated in most of the country. If somebody says to me, I've got some fruitcake, my thought is kind of like, ooh, well, I'm curious. Like first, first, my first question is, is it vegan? And if yes, may I try some? Because who has fruitcake anymore? At least in well, California, I don't think I've seen a fruitcake in, in ages. Well, and that's part of the thing with Otis, right? Is he's so sincere. He comes from his mama's home, right? He's bringing him some down-home fruitcake. And I think that adds to the charm of what he's trying to do here. So, um, you know, Dolph Ziggler here, it seems like they're setting up something bigger here between Ziggler and Otis. Like maybe that's the route they're going to go with this, which is strange. Fighting over Mandy Rose. I think Mandy Rose and Dolph Ziggler would be a great pairing, though. I really do. That ego thing we talk about, that I'm better than you, I look better than you, Dolph Ziggler pulls that off better than about anybody else in WWE right now. And I think... I think so. I think so. I'm not saying he looks like a guy who's on meth, but he looks like a guy who can tell you where to get some meth. <laughs> wow. Meth. Man. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> No, I'm just like, really? You think Dolph is, Dolph is like the Rick Rude of his generation, perhaps? I'm not going to say he's as good looking as Rick Rude, right? <laughs> 
But what I will say is that whole, I'm bringing my ego into it. And I think I'm better than you because I look better, because I act better, because I'm smarter, because I'm more athletic. The same thing Shawn Michaels did in the 90s, right? That level of ego driven, I think I am better than you and I will prove it is what works. And I think we talked about earlier, Mandy Rose, it's not working for her. I think putting her with Dolph could allow her to express more of that easier. Yeah. I mean, it just feels so antiquated. You mean, you know? yeah. Fruit well, cake? it feels, well, no, no, uh, no, Dolphin Maddie. It feels like Dolphin Summer and, yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know. It's yeah. like, like, these are the terrible ideas we go back to again and again. And Dolph Ziggler's a better wrestler than that. I mean, I think this would work well for Mandy, but I don't think Dolph needs Mandy. Put yeah. it that way. Oh. <sighs> Let's talk about this Mustafa Ali vignette. This was awesome. Yeah. I like this. It, I mean, Love other Mustafa. than it was a little bit on the nose. He walked literally, I'm coming out of the light, and then he stepped into a, uh, or out of the darkness, and he stepped into a light. That was a little bit cheesy, but I dug this. Yes. Like, he uh, just, like, he, he owned, like, I made, like, I didn't get what I wanted this year, and I like them always referencing things that happened previously and saying, I'm going to overcome it in the future. Like, I was on fire for this dude after this vignette. It's good. Michael in the su- uh, chat is saying, do we see a super chat? Michael, I'm just not sure what you're referring to in that. If you got a link or something, uh, send it and I'll check it out. But after this, we finally had the number one contenders triple threat. It's going to be Daniel Bryan versus The Miz. But Baron Corbin said, Roman Reigns ain't here. So uh, now, now I may participate in the match. This match went on forever. Really long time. Ended with, uh, we had some nice stuff with Daniel Bryan and The Miz teaming up against Corbin. Ended up ultimately with Daniel Bryan winning uh, with The Miz tapping out. And then, of course, we had Bray Wyatt show up at the end, Firefly Funhouse kind of promo. And uh, I thought it was interesting where he kept saying, you know, uh, is Bryan willing to do what it takes? Is Bryan willing to let him in? And then Daniel had that pause where he kind of nodded and then started yes chant. So they were chanting yes, that Bryan's finally willing to let The Fiend in. <laughs> this this match was a little long went through a couple of commercial breaks and by the way michael i see what you posted here so i'll bring it up here in a second um went through a couple of commercial breaks and i thought it was good i i like that there was so much going on with it that i think spoke to different different storylines right the miz and daniel bryan teaming up for parts of the takeout corbin felt kind of fun because you're like these guys are enemies but they're teaming up that's cool at uh, one point the miz had in a figure four at the same time daniel bryan had in mm-hmm. his finisher I thought that looked sweet. And normally you get a tap out there and there's controversy, but WWE didn't do that. So I appreciated that. Um, We had the run-ins, which were expected. But my question is always, why did a guy like Dolph Ziggler, right? This is the whole plan he he got to earlier after Dolph Ziggler set them the fruitcake. I guess they're making a plan, right? Why did Dolph Ziggler wait 15 minutes to interfere in this match when it was no disqualification, no countouts from the very beginning? (sighs) Like, where's the logic in that, right? He's high on those fruitcake fumes from stomping on it. But nitpicks aside, this was a solid match, and we got a clear winner at the end of it all. And I think every man in it, Corbin included, looked good as a result. Does fruitcake have alcohol in it? I seem to have a recollection that has some sort of liqueur. I I think you can put it in there, but if you were to give it to kids, you should probably not put it in there. See, I feel like they gave it to children, but it was one of those, oh, cooking burns the alcohol off sort of things. Mm. Oh, you mean like, is it cooked in? No, I don't think so. Hmm, Interesting. Uh, Everybody uh, 
get at us with your favorite fruitcake recipes. That and your opinions of Rick Rude, and we'll uh, your we'll opinions of Rick Rude. <laughs> How does he rank in the the um, hottest men of the 1980s? Uh, Michael commented earlier. Uh, Manuel Bryan, of course, with his new look, he asked if we saw the picture of Daniel looking like Orange Cassidy. <laughs> if you saw Daniel Bryan when he first debuted with his new look at TLC, there was an obvious comparison made to him looking quite a bit like one Orange Cassidy. Do you have the photo to put up on screen? Um, I do not. I can find it fairly quickly here. Oh, here we go. I found. Uh, yeah. I found it. Uh, let's see. So somebody did a side by side comparison. Share this tab. So yes, there you Daniel go. Bryan, if you had the sunglasses, looking like Orange Cassidy. See the comparison right there. <laughs> oh, that's freaky. That freaks it me out. That's freaky. Bit. Absolutely. Oh, oh man. Uh so that was SmackDown tonight. Again, kind of like last week, not a bad show, but not hmm, how should I put this? I feel like they're they're not on the right track, but the right track is 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 one of the options they can take from here. I feel like this is a bit of a soft reset. Maybe we get some good storylines, maybe uh we just we just need uh freshen things up a little bit have things coalesce a bit more and i think the royal rumble could be amazing if they build to it correctly yeah and you know there's nothing bad about any of the stories they're telling to your point here glenn right so uh, that's fine my my question is though why do you have to have a week where you deliver mediocre or why do you have weeks in a row now where you deliver these mediocre stories and i used to cut them some slack Whenever the, it was raw as a flagship show and you got three hours to fill and that's tough and a quick turnaround. Plus with SmackDown on Tuesdays, that was a very tight timeline, right? But now Raw's on Mondays, SmackDown's on Fridays. SmackDown is only two hours. It's on Fox, right? How come NXT every week is able to deliver, is able to deliver the goods and SmackDown cannot figure it out on a consistent basis? Okay. Could you imagine if we phoned in this podcast and half-assed that this week? <sighs> There'd be none of this Rick Root conversation. No, nothing about my my airplane uh, <laughs> regimen for sterilizing things. No discussions about whether fruitcake has alcohol in it or not. We I brought mean, the A game podcast this, this week. This is surprisingly solid. Before I was like, oh, I don't know what we're going to talk about tonight. Not a lot with SmackDown, but uh, you know, once again, we found magic here. We did in the wrestling Maybe ratings will go up? Like that? Like what happened this week for NXT? Right? Amazing what having no competition will do. <laughs> That's right. So ratings war did take a week off, but NXT did not. Um, as you know, a Christmas tradition. TNT shows the uh, Christmas story all day long, and um, yeah. So NXT uh, still showed their show on Wednesday night. They drew in drum roll, please, eight hundred thirty-one thousand viewers and that is actually up from the previous week which was 795,000 viewers wow i think that's impressive i mean yes they lost their competition AEW had no viewers so you got to think some of those did tune in to what is a new episode of nxt but still nxt went up on christmas day <laughs> well last week's nxt this cannot be uh stated enough Last week's NXT with uh, Rhea Ripley winning the title. I mean, that was such a moment. Sure. If it hadn't been Christmas, if I hadn't had other stuff going on, I I wanted to see what came next, but I also had a feeling like there wasn't really going to be any follow-up on that from last week. Um, but last week was really, really, really awesome 
episode of NXT. Yeah, and I think and you you put a good episode up. This happened earlier in the year with SmackDown, right? When they were having the war going on with uh, NXT and Raw. When you have a good episode, the next week ratings go up. When they had that invasion angle, the next week ratings went up for SmackDown. So I think it's just consistency and storytelling across weeks. NXT was not alone on Wednesday night. I mean, again, it was Christmas, so you're competing with the holiday. People go to the movies on Christmas. Also, there was a big NBA game on. Mm-hmm. Um, Celtics and the Raptors, which did top the night, but NXT still pulled a decent rating. So I think it's a testament to consistent storytelling. NXT will be on their weird, um, uh, you know, recap of the year special this coming week, I think. So I would expect AEW to win the night pretty easily for the first. They have a big hype show this week. Um, but also WWE backstage on Tuesday night on Christmas Eve saw an uptick over last week, which is also kind of crazy. Hmm. Paul you know Walter was-, was the guest. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yep. Uh, Paul Hauser, friend of the Wrestling Inc. podcast. Yes. Richard Jewell getting amazing reviews. His performance especially. Not breaking any box office records, but he is getting very good notices. Yes. Found out something, of course, directed by Clint Eastwood. Found out something interesting on the Warner Brothers lot. Clint Eastwood likes to feed the squirrels. So there's your tidbit for the week. Interesting. Also, Two. doesn't do very many takes. He does not. And he uses part of this uh, the uh, fake lots that they film on for like, the downtown scenes. He just says that's his own little uh, closet. So interesting. You know, what's crazy about Richard Jewell and how quickly they, they shot and did that. We, the wrestling Inc. podcast, we befriended Paul uh, Hauser at a W double or nothing and Starcast there. Yes. And he shot, and that was back what in May and he May. shot Richard Jewell after that. And it was already released in theaters. Yes. It's crazy. So uh, he, you know, could very well end up with an Oscar nomination this year. I'm looking forward to seeing that film. Um, even though I know how the story turned out and it's probably going to be kind of frustrating and depressing. Uh, anyhow, what else do we have in the world of wrestling news? Two other news and notes while uh, ratings were up for NXT this week, ratings will not be up for the wrestle kingdom broadcast um, happening on access TV because it is not happening at all. That is right. Access TV has carried wrestle kingdom the last couple of years for the United States broadcast, typically using a different announced team um, than what you see. If you watch the actual new Japan pro wrestling world stream, But this year they have announced that their partnership with New Japan Pro Wrestling has ended um, and there are no plans to broadcast any New Japan events in 2020 on Access TV, which I think is disappointing. Yeah. That's a natural America. I mean, if you're a New Japan fan or if you just want to watch Wrestle Kingdom, you're much better off, I think, tuning into the New Japan Pro Wrestling World app because, number one, I think the commentary team does a better job over there. The American, They do have an American commentary team. So tune into this next weekend. We're actually going to do a post-game show here um, for the site, um, me and somebody else. So um, anyway, yeah, there's going to be a – we're doing it after day two, so it's going to be an early morning. It's going to be a breakfast with Wrestling Inc. But oh, you should watch it on the New Japan Pro Wrestling World app if you are going to watch it. I think you just got to translate the website, and they do have an iPad app or whatever else. But still, there are fans who tune in through normal cable channels on Access TV to watch this. And I think it's just not great for them. Of course, Access TV, strong partnership with Impact Wrestling. Take that as you will. Oh, yeah. What else we got? Last thing. Uh, this is more of just, uh, I was going to ask you this. It's kind of our end of the year podcast here. Um, of course, Brock Lesnar, um, probably going to be a main fixture for WrestleMania. Um, Dave Meltzer reporting this week that Brock Lesnar will not be wrestling. The current plan is not for him to wrestle uh, neither Tyson Fury nor Kane Velasquez, right? Both heavily rumored opponents. Tyson Fury is just, he has his big rematch coming up in February um, for a, a boxing match, right? So uh, who, you know, 
leaves the door kind of open. If, if Meltz is right here, door is open for Lesnar to fight a lot of guys, but possibly guys who were normal, normal WWE guys and not kind of show opponents here. Who would you put them with? I would love to see Braun Strowman take that title. The dance off? And dance his way out of the ring. Boombox Brock versus Dance and Strowman. Boombox Brock <laughs> is my favorite Brock Lesnar to date. Uh, I would love, I saw somebody on Twitter say this, Kevin Owens. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he hasn't faced Owens, has he? Um, no, he. Uh, Owens had that thing with Goldberg, but not with Brock. Interesting. Yep. And yeah. Owens is hot right now, dude. If you were to, if you were to, switch the title, like Rick Rude hot or? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, I don't know. We don't know what's under that uh, that 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 shirt, man. He always wears a shirt to wrestle in. We don't know. He lost a lot of weight. Yes. He's in better shape. But but you know, like it's not about. And, and I want to I want to point this out because people criticize wrestlers for weight. And wrestling is not about weight because guys like Kevin Owens, guys like Samoa Joe, who are bigger dudes, they can move. Like Cannon, sure. uh, Kev, Kevin Owens moves like a cannonball. So I'm glad he's lost weight if he wants to lose weight. I don't think he needed to because he was a legitimate badass no matter what he weighed in at. Um, but maybe you're right. Maybe he can show off that six pack easier with a little fewer, <laughs> fewer pounds. <laughs> no, I think he looks good. Um, I think part of it's how Vince McMahon sees bigger guys. Sure. You know, I mean, like uh, with Otis, they've they've leaned into it perhaps harder than they've leaned into it. I'm trying to think of the last big man that. Yeah, yeah. Otis is probably the most like we're just going to go for like Vince McMahon was just like, there is no way. There's just no way. We're just we got to lean into this. They make him wear crop tops and jean jackets. Yeah. They're too small and everything else. Yeah. But this dude's like when he was with that cake segment tonight, Otis's legs are like tree trunks and like ripped. Dude. They're, they're like hams. Yeah. They're like hams. Legit like hams. So anyway, Brock Lesnar currently not penciled in, according to Meltzer and the Wrestling Observer, not penciled in for either Tyson Fury or Kane Velasquez, which are kind of the rumored opponents coming into Mania season. So it should be interesting. Okay, we'll see. Uh, we're going to be back here Monday night to talk about the last Raw, the last WWE wrestling show of 2019 of the 2010s. Mm. Technically, won't NXT and AEW come in? No, that's New Year's Day. Oh, uh, uh, you're right. You're right. Look at that. Uh, I'm going to go. The last episode of The Mandalorian is on Disney+, and I'm going to go binge that right now. Maybe I'll rewatch the whole series, then watch the last mm. episode, so I'll be fresh in my memory. You watched The Mandalorian yet? I have not yet. We I haven't even seen the new Star Wars yet. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with you? We've been on vacation. Well, here we are. You know, it's the year 2019. Raj Geary's never seen the movie Goonies. I was thinking oh. today, I was thinking if we have that Tampa meetup for Mania, we should, we should have a screening of Goonies. Yes. Just have Raj sit through Goonies with an audience. A Goonies watch along. That'd be great. And Matt Morgan's going to be like, why'd you drag me out for this? It's a good movie and all, but really? I got a city to run. Um, we could probably get Nick on board. Like, I'm thinking about like chain of command here. Like, we could get other people. Yeah, Nick will be hosting trivia ahead of time. There'll be a truffle, uh, uh, truffle shuffle contest, uh, (laughs) before the show. It'll be great. Um, okay, folks, he's at the real Wiseman. I'm at Glenn Rubenstein. Give us both a follow on Twitter, Wrestling Inc., the number one news source for all your wrestling news. We'll catch you back here Monday night for the last Monday Night Raw of the 2010s. See you next time on the Wrestling Inc. podcast. Take care.